Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. He's a four-time tire rotation champion. When he was a baby, his first words were automatic transmission fluid. Bob's so cool, he has engine coolant running through his veins. And then there's Kyle, also known as premium unleaded. Legend has it that Kyle can change your oil with his toes and that he can tell your tire's air pressure just by how you're walking. He's Bob, he's Kyle, and every Saturday morning they morph together to form the greatest superhero known to man, Mr. Mechanic. Check engine lights don't stand a chance. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show on 1110 KFAB. Okay, good Saturday morning to you. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Get in early and uh, so we can answer that question of the project you got going or the car that's broken the driveway or maybe it's broke somewhere else and you need to get it fixed so you can get it home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> roadside repair. Then? Roadside repair, you know. I'm, I'm Bob and uh, sitting next to me as always is Kyle. We're here to answer those questions. You know, I have seen some roadside repair. Oh, some sketchy roadside repair. <laughs> How many you know, cars have we seen come in with a coat hanger wrapped around the tie rod end or something like that? Yeah, yeah. You so know, it just broke up the road. I got it here, though. Many years ago, many years ago, a year or so ago, I seen somebody out at the West Roads, and he's clear off into the ditch. And okay. he's got a jack and wood, and I, I think he's replacing the right front knee assembly. I mean, he was really going to, he was spending. Well, that's a place to do it. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I suppose, the traffic's going by either way. It, it, it would seem a heck of a lot easier to rent or get a tow truck to you, take it to the house so that you wouldn't have to. Yeah, you, you don't got all the, the world as right your there. audience, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we went by him, and he was headed all apart, and we came back, and uh, it was all, all the parts were gone, and then we came back the, later on, and all the parts <laughs> were back together, and he was finishing up. So he had to go, he had to get the parts. Yeah. But I mean, give or take your walk. I, I just not seen anybody do a full-fledged repair on the side of the road like that. But, you know, he got it going. And then the next morning it was gone. So he did what he he accomplished. Yeah, we've all broken down somewhere. Yeah. No matter how quick you can get out of there. Yeah, maybe his house wasn't here. I don't know. It, yeah. But it just seems like you want to make that as easy as possible. Yeah. But, but who knows? <laughs> get the car checked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get you it know? fixed and you won't be that guy. Yeah, ex, you know, absolutely. You just got to be careful of, uh, you know, if you use car tips, if you're out there buying a car, take it to somebody. Have them take a look at it. Look it all over. It's going to save you thousands. Yeah. It really is. It's worth the gamble. You just don't know if the person selling it to you said, I just had that battery replaced. And his idea of having the battery replaced was about four and a half years ago. Yeah. I uh, just had the ball joints replaced. When I got the car six years ago, yeah, and they're still loose again. So uh, somebody's perception—the whole of, car's been gone through. Yes, yeah, the whole car <laughs> over twenty years. 
<laughs> when it was new, it was gone through. Yeah, it, somebody's perception of time is not somebody else's perception of time. All the so, sales pitches out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, and then some people are trying to deceive you. Other people just don't know. I mean, they're, we're car guys, so so we know, but other people just don't know. They, they were giving you information that was told to them. So just spend the money. It's 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 easier on you and. And sometimes right now, with all the rust that's out on the road, I mean, uh, we were looking at one the other day that had a fist-sized hole in the frame. Mm-hmm. Um, How many trucks have we lifted up and the bed starts going down? I know yeah, it. Yeah, this thing's going on the ground and back out the door. I know it. And, and it's getting more and more common. And you don't. And the cars are getting more expensive to buy just because of the inflation side of it. We don't sure. want to add insult to injury to buy that, so... I don't know. All right, we're going to head over to John real quick. John's got a 2010 Ford Ranger. John, what's going on today? Hey, guys. I listen to you righteously every week. No matter what I do, I stop and put your channel and get get you guys on. We're good. But, uh, Thank you. I got, I got a strange problem. I've got uh, my son has a this 2010 Ford Ranger. He called me. He was on the way home, and he says there's something buzzing. And I says, well... You know, you look at your temperature gauge. That you know, is the. I was thinking maybe it was with the air conditioner on. It was buzzing. It was like a hissing and buzzing sound because the thermostat area or something could have been that. But mainly, I just I just couldn't figure out what he was talking about. So I drive it home and shut it off and check your antifreeze and get those things checked and I'll be over. So he says, "Well, I shut it off and it's still buzzing." Yeah, I go. What? How can it be buzzing? You got everything turned off. That it must be something in the cooling system where it's it's boiling and it's pushing up on something and giving it a high uh, a, a flutter of something that's making it sound like a buzzing sound. He goes, "No, mm-hmm. it sounds like a buzzing sound." So I ran over to his house, and sure enough, it was buzzing. It sounded like it might be under the dash. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead and I said. I said, close the garage door. We cut the lights. I want to see how much amperage it's drawn, just because my my past knowledge. So I took the positive battery terminal off and touched it and banged it, and I could see a light white spark. So I said, man, there's there's some amperage going through. I got one that had the problem, and it and it had a you know a couple amps, but this mm-hmm. has got some amperage going through it. So I went ahead, put my fluke meter, digital meter, in between the terminal and that, and checked it. And it was pushing five amps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went ahead, and the battery, I told him this spring that you got to change it. It's getting a lot of corrosion. You're probably going to get stranded somewhere. You're not going to make it to work one day. But I said, if you want to limp, let's try to limp. Let's make it there. I'll clean the terminals up. Well, just in a short time, it's bloomed back up with white corrosion. It looks the same. So uh, I'm thinking maybe it's starting real good. But maybe it's right at the verge of where it wouldn't start, and then he, he charged the whip, so there's voltage fluctuation, a lot of charge going in, if that makes any difference. I always think when it starts, you know, getting into that mode, you can also blow some electronic device out. Yeah. But anyway, what I did, I did your normal thing. I started pulling fuses, and I pulled the turn signal relay fuse, and the buzzing went away. So I reached up under there, popped it out of its mount. Yeah, it's buzzing. Popped it loose, got it out. 
Then the next problem with the supply shortage, you can't even all the models this thing fit. They don't. They didn't have a. They didn't have it at three places. The uh, turn signal relay. I thought you got to be kidding me. Well, that's so then I went ahead. Yeah. So I went ahead and we found one at a more reputable place and uh, bought it. And the first thing, the questions I have for you: What can be upstream from that that cause it? I thought when you shut the car off, your turn signal relay. Well, I guess it wouldn't go dead because of your flashers. But it's. I'm going to bet that there's probably a short in that switch. Yeah. And you're getting a very low amount of power across two terminals. And that's what's making that relay okay. buzz. Yeah, so low voltage causes those kind of things to, to buzz. So it the relay is trying to click over, but it can't. It doesn't uh-huh. have enough amps behind it to pull it, so it just kind of yeah, it sh- boggles in between terminals. Yeah, it should be a positive click on, click off. And like Kyle said, yeah, low voltage will cause that kind of problem. And that, that Low voltage will cause that kind of problem in a variety of different things. I mean, I'm guessing well, on, on a, two, on a ten, 2010, that's an electronic relay, isn't it? It's not just. Uh, an old, it's not an old mechanical. It's not an old mechanical round one, is no, it? No, it's, it's a, not it's a, the old round it's a square one. Square one. Square one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So square one. Uh, yeah, I think it's electronic. But here's the crazy thing, too. I'm still get, and I'm trying to figure out what to do now, because, okay, so it the turn signals work fine. If you think after you start it, your alternator's putting out 13.7 volts or whatever. It's putting out plenty of voltage to replenish the battery mm-hmm. so there should be good voltage down to that circuit right and it's still buzzing that well, that fools me the circuit for that off. relay is controlled through the switch that relay doesn't know that anything's happening until your switch is moved one way or the other but right inside that switch That's i mean it's just a bunch of terminals that drag across the circuit board and you're, you're just, no, wait a minute. maybe i sound stupid but are you talking at the ignition switch the turn signal switch. turn signal switch so there's a bunch. Oh, the turn yeah. So okay. What Kyle's saying is, is that there's a bunch of there's a bunch of connectors down there, and now that we've turned everything plastic, uh, it can't hold the heat, and it'll just burn and melt, and that's probably where your vo- low voltage bad connection burnt terminal is at. So it's causing the thing downstream, which is a turn signal uh, flasher, yeah. to freak out and not know what's going on. So you just need so, to, uh, and also I will caution you that I know you went and got a turn signal flasher, but when it comes to Ford and it comes to those square electronic flashers, um, yeah. I've kind of always gone back to Ford because every time I try to use one for the aftermarket, it never works right. So you might get a week or two out of some of yeah, them. Yeah, so you might have a problem with the, you might have found your problem, solved your problem with a part that it's not, capable of fixing it does that sound that that also makes sense and it backs up what you're saying and your your good advice because i went to one my son went to one place paid a an astronomical price to get one so it had the clip on the side it Mm -hmm. went right out went right off the ford part number and we put that one in and you put the it's quit buzzing but when you put it to the right or left or hazard everything just sat there and lit up, or there you lit go. The signal up on the right or left, but it wouldn't. It wouldn't activate the circuit. There you go. So there, we. There's so they no, wouldn't take it back. We had a big battle with that. We yeah. finally, because electronics, we finally got it returned. So I went to another place, and they had like an EP27, which doesn't have the clip, but it'll it fit in there. Yeah, I know. And it was. 
$9 cheaper. I bought it. And it was at a reputable place. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Put it in and it's buzzing too. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know what the difference is between an aftermarket one and a Ford one, but I can tell you that I don't put anything else in but a Ford one because they don't work right. And then is the next right? thing, yeah, the next thing you try to do is check that uh, turn signal switch like we talked about once you get another relay in there and see if okay. that doesn't solve your problem. If not, yep. uh, give us a call back. We'll kind of help you through. I'm I'm going to have I'm up against a break, and I'm going to have to take a quick break okay. here. So Thanks. you bet, John. Appreciate it. All right, 558-1110 is the numbers to get in, and uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. Joseph Stalin, Canada, Sweden, Barney Finders. What do these things all have in common? Socialism! This November, there's only one way to make your car great again, and that's by voting for Mr. Mechanic, America's answer to squeaky timing belts. With Mr. Mechanic, you'll be able to roll your windows down again and roll through those stop signs without worrying about offending someone. (laughs) (laughs) This November, vote for Mr. Mechanic, America's Mechanic. Isn't it time we shared the road? Are you tired of only 1% of drivers getting to use the carpool lane while thousands of innocent mothers and babies and small insecure men are forced to wait in traffic? This November, it's time for the drivers to take their roads back. I'm Barney Fenders, and a vote for me is a vote for... Uh, free gasoline uh, to everybody. Everybody gets free gas if you, if you vote for me. Free gasoline, free oil changes, free windshield wiper fluid. Who's going to pay for this, Barney? I'll tell you who we are. That is, unless you vote for Mr. Mechanic. He's the only one who can save us from mechanic socialism. I'm the good kind of socialist, okay? Stop. Don't believe the lies, the hatred, the mechanic propaganda. As your mechanic, I promise to fulfill my promises just like I promise to fill every pothole in America. Vote for me, Barney Fenders, the pothole filler. Fill every pothole? That's impossible, Barney. It's not impossible. If you you would have to drive on every road. This isn't the USSR, okay? Stop stop it. Come on. Stop ducking when I duck it. It's illegal to roll through stop signs. Okay. Make your, make your car great again. Just silly. Make it, make it great again. Make your car great again. I'm great. Vote for me because I'm great. I mean, I mean, Mr. Mechanic is great. Not me. I'm not, I'm not Mr. Mechanic. <laughs> the Mr. Mechanic Show is powered by Buchanan Service Center, 79th and Dodge and 50th and Dodge in Omaha. All right, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in so we can answer your questions and questions you might have. We are Buchanan Service Centers, 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, Guaranteed Breaks, 49th Avenue and Dodge. Stop in and see us. All right, we're going to head over to uh, Mike with an 06 Ford Explorer. Mike, what's going on today? Hey, how you doing today? Good. Um, actually, it's a it's a 93 Ford okay. Explorer. Okay, 93. Um, All right. Yeah, XLS. Mm-hmm. Um, what we got going on here, it was my father's, and I acquired it after his timely passing. But uh, I've been driving it for uh, about a couple weeks now, and, and, and what it does is it starts up, drives fine, everything seems to be good, and then you'll like come up to a stoplight, and it won't downshift. 
So then it's like, okay, so then you manually put it down into low and then back up in a drive, and then it, it'll drive fine. And then you come up to the next top light, and it won't downshift. So what's really weird, though, is the minute you shut it off, turn it back on, then it drives fine again for about five minutes, and then you'll come up to a stop light, and then it won't downshift. Just, I don't know, what, what do you think that could be? Well... That's mostly a mechanical transmission. Mostly mechanical trans. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I mean, it, the only thing it's OBD one, so it's gonna be kind of hard to get any darn codes out of the thing. Yeah, good luck. But um, off the what's what's your first? I think it's got a problem in that transmission. Yeah, or the, the other Shift thing, solenoid sticking, something yeah, like that. And yeah, you're shutting it down and relieving all the pressure from the pump, and then it's able to move. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'm gonna check too, uh, since it is an older, you said '93, is that you got a speedometer, and it's not a speedometer. You got a throttle cable that runs out to the to the throttle body itself. There's also going to be a, probably a shift cable that goes out there too, being that old. Um, that yeah, shift be a throttle valve cable. Yeah, yeah, throttle valve cable. So that they had little bushings in the end of there, and when those bushings would go bad, the rod would fall off, and when it fell off, you wouldn't have any shifting. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the first place to look at just being that age of vehicle. Once that eight vehicle gets another five years older, it turns all into electronic. Le- all electronic, all and that electronic. problem doesn't happen. So not a very uncommon problem for that to, to go on. So huh. did that make sense at all, where to look? Well, it, it's kind of weird, though. How come, you know, when I, when I shut it off and then turn it back on and drive it, I mean, it, it shifts fine for like a few minutes. And then, then all of a sudden it'll just get into its weird friggin' deal. Uh, and then if you stop, shut it off, turn the car back on again, then it'll shift fine again for five, six minutes. That sounds more electronic, and I can't remember back in 1983 as to what exactly is on that car, but um, if, that, if that's I can't r- imagine there'd be much electronic in that. I mean, maybe a torque converter or right. lockup solenoid might be it. Right. I mean, look on. you'll have to take a visual look at the side of the transmission. Um, you know, there might be yeah. a plug in the side of it that's maybe three, four wires. But yeah. huh. I mean, it's not going to be a fully electronic transmission. No. Check. Yeah, my dad said it was a fuse. It was a fuse going on. I'm going. It can't be a fuse. Uh, fuse no. is either good or bad. It's not going to yeah. come and go. Yeah, which is weird though, because once well, it starts, then you got, every time you stop, you got to shift it down to low and then back into drive, and then it'll it'll shift. My but you know, and then if you shut it off and turn it back on, then it then it runs fine for five six minutes. Yeah, <laughs> I you know I can't speak to how the engineer thought thought he should design it back then ninety three, but uh-huh. those are the things that 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 were common back there. That throttle cable um, that that runs okay. down to the transmission. If those two rubber grommets are bad, one down towards the transmission and one up top by the the throttle body area, you're the, gonna get an issue. You're gonna get uh-huh. an issue shifting completely. If not, then uh, you got to do a little bit more visual visual inspection to see. But um, yeah, okay. they can be a little goofy. And the transmission shifts off how the engine runs. So if the engine doesn't run right and the PCM doesn't think things are working right, it's going to cause funny things to happen on the transmission side. And or there is predetermined things that are going to happen limp in mode on that. So hmm. that may be why you're experiencing funny things. So. Take a look at those two and okay. see if we helped. Okay. Well, thank you very much, sir. You bet. Yeah, no got problem. It. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Mike, hang on the, for 06 Explorer. We'll get your call right after the, the break. We'll be just back in a minute. 
the Mr. McKinney. All right, we are back in the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. We're going to zoom straight over to Mike with an 06 Ford Explorer. He's been waiting patiently. Mike, what's going on today? Hey, got a great show. I got an 06 Explorer, and when you turn the light, the blinker on in the brake light in the back, it doesn't work. What do you first look for or what to fix this? Well, I'm going to go right back to the bulb. Um... I've replaced the bulb, and, okay. and the socket looked a little rusty. Sure. Take a, take a brush and clean that out first or put a new new uh, socket on there. If, it, if it's rusty and corroded, I mean, I'm doing away with the whole thing because you can visually see the rust. There's rust inside it yeah. that you're not going to be able to clean. Much deeper you can't see. I'd put a new uh, connection on it. In fact, I've done that many a times, uh, especially on a, on a Ford product. Mostly it seems to happen to trucks. Yeah, you don't do a lot on the on the SUVs, but still, it's the same. It's the same thing. It's just it's yeah. So yeah, okay. I'm gonna Would start. Would you buy by... a? It's a like a new socket, and you just splice it in with the wires. Yep. Yep. You and, can get them at any parts store. And some of those, if you look at them, um, even come with a connector that pops off. So this, you got the wiring harness, the connector in the middle, and the bulb that goes on the outside. So you may be able to buy just the connector itself and un, undo it. There are the ones that are hardwired, and like you were saying, you just got to go in, cut the wires individually, and just uh, you know, butt c- connector them together and be okay. But okay. Yours, yours might be just old enough that you probably have to do that. Probably mm-hmm. got a, a connector and a harness to it. It probably doesn't have a, a plug-in off of the back. But, yeah, do that. That should solve that problem. Okay. Hey, thank you so much. And you bet. And while you're back there... Change the other side because, uh, you I've know. I've already, already done that. Got it. Okay. Because bulbs <laughs> go bad in pairs, except for we always want to do them one at a time. I, I never understood that. but they I've go... always, I was taught to do them both at the same time. Yeah, sure. they both got the same amount of on time. I mean, you step on the brake, they both come on at the same time. So you got it. We don't have to tell you. I appreciate it. Yeah, Thank appreciate you. the call. You bet. All right. Bye. All right. We're going to head over to Gary. Gary's got a 2020 Malibu. Gary, what's going on today? Good morning. Hey, morning. I, uh, so on this Malibu, it's got 70,000 miles, and it's a 1.5-liter turbocharged. Seems like when I get step on it sometimes, it's thrown some service engine code. So I take it into the dealership, and it's still under warranty. They're talking sticking rings and pistons on two of the cylinders. Mm-hmm. Should I be concerned long-term with this vehicle once it's repaired? Would it need any kind of sleeve or cylinder work, would you think? Well, they're going to do that while it's in there. I'm going to doubt mm-hmm. it's – we don't really sleeve engines anymore, but um, – No. You're, you're going you're, gonna to – They're going to get you a new block if that's the case. Yeah. Your rings are just stuck. They're, they're, it gets carboned up with all this direct injection that has now – the things do not get cleaned off inside of an engine like they would – the injector – placement now is in a spot that's more efficient for the car but all the fuel that runs past it does not clean those things that want to get cleaned therefore your piston uh, rings get stuck and causes the problems that you're having so yeah i I seem like i run premium in about every other tank or at least every third tank in it as well and that's great but um it still does this yeah so when they used to quickly when they used to put the injector back in the intake manifold 
all that got cleaned down the, the intake and into the combustion chamber. Now when you put the injector right on top of the piston, none of that happens. So it still gets even the backwash from premium doesn't get it all that clean. And the design-wise, it just gets stuck rings. So to answer your question, are you going to have problems long-term with that? Um, potentially. Potentially. But you might do, be doing it in another 70,000 miles, but my guess by then, you're not going to have that car. All right. Thank you. You bet. A lot of cars have... I mean, direct injection is kind of a new kid on the block, and I mean, I know Kia had that same issue where they're yep. going through and re-ringing engines yep. at a very early time, and it's just not unheard of anymore. No, we it's used not. To, and probably the biggest thing that's going to to help do that is probably your, you know, you never used to do this either, but your air induction cleanings are becoming yes. more and more popular and more and more necessary. We're taking intake manifolds off on cars with less than 80,000, and these intake ports, they look like a cave. Yeah, it looks like you I mean, it's just... It's, and it's all in the placement of the injector where it's at. I mean, you get better gas mileage, but it doesn't clean everything. All that stuff upstream that got cleaned for years and years and years. Not no more. Doesn't get cleaned anymore. And back in the carburetor days, when it's clear on top yeah. and everything gets washed down in there, all the intakes looked clean. You never really oh, had. Sure. Yeah, sometimes they didn't, but most of them were, were washed really clean. And that's. It's a it's a small buildup over a long period of time, and unfortunately, that's the design that's going to have to happen. So, yeah, I, I, it's going to happen again. Oh, yeah. All right, we're going to head over to Donna, 2017 Ford Escape. Donna, what's going on today? Okay. Uh, the first time during the day that I use my car, I turn it on, drive it. The air conditioning works great, <clears throat> nice and cold. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then if I turn the car off, run an errand or whatever, get back in the car and turn it on, no no cooling. Anytime thereafter during the day that I need to use my car, there won't be any cooling. So I'll shut it off. The next morning when I need my car again, I turn it on, don't change any controls. I have cooling again. Same thing. If I turn it off, anytime thereafter I need my car, it won't cool. I took it to my Ford dealer. The service manager thinks it might be an actuator door, if that's what it's called, that slides back and forth. But the mechanic is going to do some research, and he hasn't gotten back to me. He doesn't know where to start looking for sure. Uh, but I'm thinking since I don't change any of the settings to, to try to move that door at night, it, why would it be cooling in the morning? And they're kind of puzzled, and I was wondering if you had any ideas on that. Well, with this kind of issue, I'm going to head straight to the basics. Mm -hmm. Start your car the same as you're doing. You know, verify it is cooling. Shut it off. Turn it back on. I want to look at the AC clutch. Is the air conditioning... The what? The clutch on the air conditioning compressor. Oh, clutch. Okay. I want to know, is the system coming on? That's where I want to start. Yeah. If my system's coming on and I'm cold under the hood, I know I have to go inside the car. Mm -hmm. Now, how do they check to see if the system's coming on? Is that a computer? Is that a diagnostic thing, or is that... You can be a diagnostic thing, but most time it it's be. going to be a visual thing. Yep. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, you so can see the clutch on the outside of the compressor, and you'll see it turning. If it's turning, that compressor's got power, it's got ground, it's got everything to work. From there, I want to grab the low side line and make sure that's cold. Mm -hmm. and okay, my... do they have to take the dash off to get to this well, or not? No, and the one question I had was is that they thought maybe it was going to be a, a, a door actuator on the inside. Yeah. So 
When this car is cold in the morning, is it cold to the point where I need to shut it off, or is it cool but not cold? Cold. Okay, so so like, we know the, like sixty five, sixty eight. It's all right. cold. Great. So we know the refrigerant's full because right. in, the, in the morning, right. all air conditioning is going to feel good in the morning right. because it's cool outside. Right. Mm-hmm. Your temp. Mm-hmm. Does it ever turn hot on you, or does it turn just ambient temperature? Very. When the mechanic was sitting in the car with me, just running it. Oh, 70 or so. It was hot. It okay. got really, I mean, it was warm. And you go all the way to high, you know, you got low, and then you can just dial it wherever you want it. He thought maybe he could move that door by going it back and forth. Both of them tried, but that didn't work, you know. So, so okay. it's hot. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why I want to ask that question. So if it's cold in the morning, we know that mm-hmm. everything's working. The doors are where it needs to be. Right. When you okay, shut good. that off, um, it goes back, you know, and I... Don and I had this same problem happen in a Ford Fusion. Oh, boy. And I cannot remember what it was. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. Well, I'm going to have to do some investigation. We're going to have to get your number and uh, when we get off the okay, air here. I, and I'm going to have to go ask pre- my other technicians. But I had this same exact thing happen in a Ford Fusion. And it took us a while okay. to figure this out. But I know, I know we figured it out. And I can't remember exactly what it was. It well, I know got, the technician mind, would appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, my mind's going blank at the moment. And may, okay. I, I'm hoping since it's Ford product that these two things will go together. But I yeah. bet they will. I bet you they will. I bet you they will. So when, when we'll, we'll get you off the air here a second. Get your name and phone number, and then okay. uh, I'll do some investigation and ask and get back to you. And that car has 35,178 miles. That's not a warranty thing, is it? It's, it's too old? It's a 17? Yeah, it's going to be out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. and I, st- okay, I know well, I, struggled, I struggled with this one for, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks before we figured it oh, out. So, I, and, and I need to make some trips to Grand Island, and I need my Yeah, I could probably have you, a, yeah. I, I could have at least a, a rough idea of what this answer is next week. So. Yeah. All right. Okay. Oh, great. All right. Great. Thank you so much. You bet. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. We'll be back in a bit. National News Talk podcasts and videos from our hosts. Connect with News Radio 1110 KFAB on Facebook. All right, we are back on the Mr. Mechanic Show. We're going to jump right back into calls. Uh, we're going to head over to Linda. Linda within 16 Tucson. Linda, go ahead. Um, I've got trouble with my emissions control. My car was running, or my Tucson was running kind of rough. My mechanic was saying to have my catalytic converter replaced because they thought it was blocked. That didn't take care of it. Finally, a code came on, and I looked in my manual, and it said emissions. And then last night, it was running really rough when I was just idling. So um, my questions are, is that cheap to fix? It's uh, very time-consuming. Is it um, costly? (laughs) So I was just kind of wondering your well, it kind of depends on why it's running rough. So you can have a running rough problem with spark plugs and coils, and that's relatively cheap, or you could have a running rough problem with a timing or 
variable valve timing situation, and that's considerably more expensive. Um, okay. Both of them will throw maybe, and when they say emission codes, what they mean is the emission. It's like the, an umbrella clause. It is. It's it's oh. all it's all about um, it's all about what is polluting out the tailpipe. Anything that's polluting okay. out the tailpipe is an emissions code. So it's it, it could be one of fifty different things. Um, oh. So it, it's yeah, like, like Kyle said, uh, emissions code is a very broad umbrella, and it doesn't really fall that way. So if it's running rough, it's probably going to have some sort of codes in it that leads the technician to exactly where your problem is. So I take it where I'm going to go and then have them run the codes and then they'll be able to yes. figure out what it was. Then. They're going to run okay. the codes. They're going to do some diagnostic techs. They're going to uh, check. They're going to check a lot of into a lot of different things, eliminate a lot of different things and come down to what's causing the problem. Um, and then from there, once you solve your misfire, then you can, your other code will probably go away. Okay. Because nothing is um, showing up on the dashboard now. It was just a one-time little flip through, and I happened to catch the code and looked it up, and it's like, well, that makes sense, and that's what I kind of figured it was. What, what was what was I, the number? Do you know? Oh, I don't No, I don't remember it now. Okay. I just remember looking it up, and it said emissions. And so I thought, well, that makes oh. sense because it's running a little rough. So, so you looked up an emissions in the owner's manual, or you had a specific yeah. number? Um, it said emissions yeah, yeah, in my yeah, okay. manual okay. when I so looked it up. What we're looking for is exactly. a specific number. So when that PO three hundred, three oh three, three oh four. Yeah, we're looking for PO codes oh. and, and the PO codes are gonna have to be drawn by a mechanic or or somebody that's got a scanner in order to be able to narrow down what your problem is. Oh, okay. Okay. So. I, I was just wondering if it was a a, a simple thing or if it's yeah. one of 50 things, that's right. pretty broad, the, like you said. The, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, sorry. Okay, appreciate your help. You bet. No, Thanks, Linda. No problem. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate the call, Linda. We're going to head over to – which one do you want to go? Jay. Okay, we'll just go to Jay. Jay has a F-150. Go ahead, Jay. Oop. 98 F-150. And, you know, I used to work in an auto parts – industry uh, back in the early 80s a well-known auto parts store in south omaha and mm-hmm. i went from driver all the way up to counter guy machine shop and i worked there for about four or five years and we slept supplied parts to the local repair shops you know they'd mark up prices maybe 10 15 percent at the most you know my question is i'm i'm older now i'm having to take my vehicle into um the shop to have stuff fixed but i've noticed and I probably know the answer to this, but I've noticed the markup on parts is way more than that, three, four times what I know those parts cost if I buy them over the counter. And to see if you guys have, could shed any light why the markup on when you take your car into the shop is so darn high on those parts. Parts have parts have jumped hugely in the last year. Oh yeah, uh, and tires, anything uh, rotors. Yeah, brakes have jumped quite a bit. And I noticed the the SUV brakes have jumped uh, ten twenty bucks a a pad for a set of pads now. Rotors have jumped twenty thirty dollars um, in in cost alone because of supply and demand. And that's uh, that's probably very simplistic, but that's really what it boils down to is the supply and demand. It, we they used to have oh gosh, if you had a car pull in, you could have your choice of parts store and 
in 2030 rotors to pick from. Now you got to go with who's exist. got what. Yeah. Um, yeah well, we tried to order rotors the other day. It had nobody in town had them. So we had to wait overnight to get a set of simple rotors. And it's uh, oh. so we're a lot of times at the mercy of what we can get and what they can get. They probably charge more, which, you know, we make some money off that. We charge a little bit more. So not m- anymore, but the same amount. It's just that costs have just are getting ridiculous. They yeah. really are. I was just wondering, you know, like I said, I, and I know that's a long time ago, early 80s. I'm doing a comparison there, but now I'm having to take things in because I'm older. I'm like, man, these prices are, yeah. you know, when I, when I compare it to over-the-counter compared to what... I'm paying for the same price. I'm like, geez, this is... There used to be a lot of people that were cheaper and some were more expensive. I notice now that just about everybody baseline. Is, is baseline. Everybody's on the same pricing structure because of, of the supply and demand to get. So, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. We're not charging anymore. We're just... At the mercy of the Yeah, mercy supplier. of everybody else. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. Great. You bet. You bet, Jay. All right, we're just about the end of, I hear the music, Kyle, so we're about the end of another show. We've got Joe's on the line, so hang on, Joe. We'll answer your question real quick when we get off the air to help you out. We are Buchanan Service Centers, 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge. Uh, We'll be next. I'm Bob. Kyle. And we'll be back next week. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.